This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Joining the Warriors, and it just kind of... I know the Warriors probably want to keep him around 17. We've talked about that, Whitey, but the ability on nights where they need him to play into the 20s I think is a is a good sign because he is without a doubt one of the the trustable playoff players for this team last year when he left I'd been looking at that and I understood the reasoning and I was thinking you know even if they kept him even if they'd kept him he probably wouldn't play as well as he did last year and of course he leaves and then they bring him back and guess what? He's playing very close to how well he played last year. I'm talking about, you know, takes five shots, makes four of them. Takes three uh, three-pointers, makes two of them, and then does all the other stuff. So um, with with the possibility of Wiggins coming back and Peyton ramping up, ready to play more minutes and playing just about as well as he did last year, uh, you can't overlook this team when you figure out which of these teams has a chance to get deeper and deeper into the postseason. 888-957-9570. More phone calls coming up here in just a moment. Uh, Whitey, I, I tweeted out what the league sent out. I'm not sure if you saw it, but the NBA uh, just here at the top of the 11 o'clock hour released the complete Western Conference playoff and play-in scenarios oh for today and tomorrow's uh, games. Yeah, It, it affects... Uh, seeds five, six, seven, eight, and nine. Yeah, I was. I, I just trying it, to think. It hasn't downloaded it, yet. I mean, it's so long. Your tweet. Yeah, it, <laughs> it looks like a. I mean, it looks like a, an Andy Reid play card. Yeah. I mean, you know, how you see Andy Reid on the sideline with all the different uh-huh. color play card, you know, plays and different. Hey, third and one, we're going to run this. Third, second and fifteen, we can run the. I mean, it is a color coded. I mean, it looks it looks like uh, you know a lot of people enjoy like uh, jelly beans, right, or jelly eggs for the for the Easter, for Easter? holiday. Yeah. It looks like a looks like a bowl of jelly beans I with know. all the different. It's colors. too it's too confusing. My mother in law last night, Taneko, great sports fan, great Warrior fan. She asked me, so how many more games do the Warriors have to win? And it's like, well. How much time One. do you have? <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, this, it depends. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, it's just, it's too complicated. And I'm looking forward to getting it over with and focusing on the matchups because these permutations you're talking about, I just get an ice cream headache when I try to sort them out. And and I tweeted out, and I know it made the rounds, the, the, the simp- I called it the condensed and simplified breakdown of just the Warriors-specific scenarios. Yeah, this was before yeah. last night's game. And a couple of people said, well, what's the non-condensed version? Because the condensed version was was a lot, uh, but I tried to make it a – the non-condensed version is what the NBA just put out uh-huh. on this jelly bean color-coded yeah. grid. Uh, and so we'll try and, and make some sense of it here uh, over the course of the next couple of hours. But just uh, giving, it, giving it a quick glance uh, off the top, I mean, it, it does tell us – uh, what we already knew, which is that the Warriors can can finish anywhere between fifth still 
and eighth. Ninth is now off the table. That is one thing that, that we do know for sure. Ninth Thank goodness. is now off the table for the Warriors uh, as far as the, the play in tournament goes. That went by the wayside with the Warriors' ability to, to win uh, in Sacramento last night. So 888-957-9570, 888-957-9570. couple of calls to get to. Let's go to Fred in Oakland to get us started in hour number two. What's going on, Fred? Hey, what's going on, fellas? Um, yeah, I just wanted to comment on, on Kaminga's play, uh, you know, as far as his style of play lately. Um, the thing I, I think he needs to work on is not, I mean, he takes that set shot three, um, and it just doesn't, it's not a fit for him. You know, I mean, uh, I, 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 if you look at uh, uh, DeRozan, I think, uh he got himself to all star status by utilizing that jump shot around you know around the paint you know he's he's very athletic just like Kaminga is, and he was able to get get himself you know get himself rise up and hit that hit that two and i and I've seen Kaminga Kaminga do that a few times in a, in the game and it looks real smooth, but he doesn't do it enough. I think he needs to add that repertoire to his game and I think would really improve his offensive play and his shot selection, of course, as well. And I think that would probably be a real benefit. And to the previous caller who mentioned about Poole and Clay, uh, I totally agree with him. I think they need to, um, you know, Clay, uh, sometimes, I mean, he'll drive and get stuck and, and stop his dribble, and he's stuck, and he's got nowhere to pass it to. And, you know, that's that doesn't work. And Poole, with, you know, he gets careless and tries to dribble between four or five guys. Um but I think uh, I think Kerr needs to keep a short leash on Clay and Poole because he's got JP and now he's got Wiggins and and DiVincenzo now uh, to call in there and have them come in if if they're not playing up to par. So that is a grace for us. He has that grace or that liberty to be able to call on those two in case Poole and Clay aren't really playing up to the standard that we need to play, especially in the playoffs. And so I just wanted to comment on that. I think if Kaminga could step up and add that. That jumper that he has, he's he, he's got the lifts and everything, so he can definitely rise up and hit it. He's just got to work at putting his game off. And so um, I just wanted to kind of comment on that, see what you guys think. Yeah, thanks for the call, Fred. As, as far as Kaminga for me, and, yeah, I think he that pull-up two does look smooth. The, the I'm with you on the set shot threes, and, and there was somebody on the text line, Comcast Business text line, Whitey, who said, J.D., Kaminga was 4 or 5 last night. What didn't you like about his, his shot selection? I don't like the wing and, a, and, and top of the key three. He took a top of the key three, which he made last night. I don't like that shot for him unless it's shot clock running down, absolutely has to be taken. I thought both of those were, were quick shots last night, and he made them. So credit to him, he made them. But those are those are not the shots that the Warriors want Jonathan Kaminga to take. Corner threes, no problem. Threes that get kicked back to him in the flow of the offense, no problem there. Those shots are uh, shots that are created must be taken types of shots. So if he doesn't make them, I'm, I'm not holding him as accountable for that. He also had a, a wild drive miss, and he had a bucket around the basket. For me on Kaminga, and I've been very consistent, for this team this season – there needs to be very little, if almost no, improvisation on on his part as far as like going to work and trying to trying to put it on the deck and attack it. When he's been at his best, it's been cuts in the context of the Warriors' offense for layups or dunks or getting fouled, 
it has been those corner threes when the defense, you know, in the flow of the offense, it's been transition where he's gotten buckets off of his own defense. It's been just minimal improv type plays. I thought there was a little too much improv Kaminga last night. And I think when you that and the fact that he wasn't guarding the ball as much defensively were why he was a minus even in a game where he scored. I think the area that you're talking about is the area in which he's made the most growth this year. And I'm not disagreeing with you, but talking about improv, as you put it, I know Steve Kerr has talked about the offense, and we've talked about this. And you, Ideally, this is really hard to live up to, but ideally in this offense, you make a catch, you get the ball, you're going to decide what to do, dribble, pass, shoot in half a second. I think Kaminga earlier last year, earlier in his career, especially last year, really struggled with that because he's so talented. I think his natural inclination was to get the ball and take a look. And it became a little bit of a ball stopper, and that's just the way he naturally has played. And I think he's adjusting to that. Um, I agree with you. A quick shot is not a good shot for him. But the set shot three for him, I'm I'm okay with that. This year he's uh, shooting it at 37%. Uh, I'm not saying he should shoot it anytime he gets, but I think a Naz Reed, Naz Reed has a nasty looking set shot, but man, he can, he can make that. I think going forward, I think that may be the way for Kaminga on the three pointers is that that set shot as athletic as he is. I think he's shown some, some real improvement and more consistent form shooting that more of a set shot three than the jump shot. Yeah, he I mean you know you're right. That is that's just his shot. Yeah. And that's and and that and and that's fine. Like that's not I, I don't have an issue with it. It with the actual shot. It, like you're the way talking he shot selection. It. Yeah, yeah. My yeah. issue is where he's shooting it from and, and, how often. and I don't think he should ever be shooting the wing or top of the key three unless it's an emergency situation for now. Mm-hmm. The, you know, but again, teams are going to, and I think Sacramento, you saw a little of this, Sacramento really tried to back off of him, and I think that was a tell as to how he would be defended if he plays in a series against the Kings. Like, hey, go to work. I think that was a Mike Brown kind of knows if you just, you know, Kaminga gets it out there at the top and he's wide open, he isn't necessarily going to know what to do with it or make the right play quickly enough to keep everything in the, in the flow. I will say this before we move on to the phones for, for Fred's point about that pull-up too. He does look really comfortable with that pull-up too. Like that, that is a shot that, that if there is one improv play that, 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 okay, you know what, that looks pretty good. It's probably that. Uh, but again, to me, the key for Kaminga and, and you know, if you're watching the game, the, when Kaminga's had his most success, it's been on plays that are completely in the context of the offense with very little improv. And it's been high IQ basketball on his part by cutting and basically the gravity of the play and the, the spacing on the floor makes the play for him where it's, Hey, you get it. You're in the right spot and it's a dunk or Mm -hmm. a layup. And that, that to me, that's, that's how committed becomes playable in a, in a playoff series at a higher level. In addition to defense, on ball, rebounding, hustle, the high motor type plays. Eight at eight nine five seven ninety five seventy. Calvin in St. Louis next year on on ninety five seven. The game. Hey, Calvin. Hey, how you guys doing? Good. Uh, better than your uh, Battle Hawks are doing right now, Calvin. Your 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 <laughs> St. Louis Battle Hawks are losing yeah. to the Vipers eleven to eight. Yeah. <laughs> you got that right, but I just wanted to say, man. Something that I don't think nobody's talking about. You guys do a great job on this show. I love it. But with everything the Warriors going through, first of all, 
the, the least uh, foul free throws in the game and everything else like that with the referees and the turnovers and the lazy passes. The Warriors average, usually when they lose, it's only about one or two points. If they clean up these things that I'm about to say, that should fix everything. Notice that they average losing by one or two points. First of all, you got everybody on Stephen Clay. That leaves three people open. Practice the Ollie Oops and let GP2 and Kaminga get the easy dunks. They'll get it every game because if you start facilitating them and doing Ollie Oops to them and let them get those easy points instead of everybody jacking up threes and looking, looking stagnant and making it obvious that Looney and, uh, Looney and uh, Green will be passing the ball to Draymond, I mean to Steph and uh, Clay. Throw, throw the alley hoops to the boys, man. Stop throwing these lazy passes yeah. and dribbling. And when GP2 goes up and there's a fast break, why would you slow down once you get to the other end? Pass the ball to the guys on the inside. Kaminga and GP2 know how to do the dunks. And if uh, Stephen Clay got somebody on them, let Kaminga and GP2 facilitate each other and alley hoop each other. And that'll force everybody else to sit up there and go to them and then they play them open for clean shots. What do y'all think about that? Thank, thanks for the call. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I think that is the template. It's funny. I was thinking, as he mentioned Peyton, I was thinking about Kaminga again. Uh, basically, Kaminga, like the way Peyton plays offense for this team is exactly how Kaminga should play offense. Corner threes, dunks, transition. Like to me, they're almost the same. The, the, the same, you know, they're basically the same player, I think, offensively in terms of role. Kaminga obviously is more dynamic and, and much higher ceiling and can do more if it's there for him to do. But, but you know, taking advantage of, and that's one thing where, why do you play Sacramento? Not settling, as we've talked about. You don't settle against the Kings. You attack them. The Kings don't have rim protection. That, that's one area. They give up a ton of points in the paint. You can hammer them on cuts and and extra passes and things like that, especially if they come out and try and defend the three-point line. You can't settle for the contested quick-shot bad threes. It is death against them. I will just say this to Calvin's point. Thank you, Calvin, for listening. You know, He talks about the way teams are focusing so much on the Warriors, but and I know this isn't new or anything, but so often we see them and we hear about teams – top blocking and JD you know you've been watching basketball uh for a long time there was a time it was like you'd never do that it's like what are you doing you have to get on the other side of the guy to play defense but the game has changed so much uh in the last what 15 years and the Warriors have had so much to do with that that now you're actually you're more worried about a guy going out and making a three than you are about him getting to the basket and the Warriors, I think they do a pretty good job of recognizing that and taking advantage of that no, they they do, but again, I think they don't. I, I think there are times where they aren't patient enough with it, and being patient with it is something you have to do in a playoff series. Again, regardless of opponent, but especially if the Warriors end up playing a team like Sacramento. To me, and I think we had a, a Comcast Business text line texter that say this. I think he was quoting Monty Poole, uh, and and it was the fact that the Kings have the type of offense that can really take advantage of the Warriors' defense at, at times. You know, they have a good interior player. They run a lot of high-post stuff with some really good shooters. They run pick-and-roll with Sabonis and Fox. Like There are ways that, that they can hurt the Warriors. They're just potent. I mean, they're going to be the team with the highest offensive rating in the last 49 years in the NBA. 
I mean, th- this season that the Kings have had offensively is historic in a sense. It, it is the best offense of my lifetime in the NBA. I mean, it, it is a, a big deal, and I'm in my early 40s now. I mean, that, so you got to be buttoned up against, against this team. But I think the other key, Whitey, is you have to be able to take advantage of their lack of defense on the other end, and, and you can score on them and make it about getting the critical stops. And that's really been the difference between the Kings and the Warriors this season has been the fact that the Kings have been really good in close games on the road in particular, and the Warriors have been terrible in close games on the road for the most part. Now, neither team overall has defended well. I know the Warriors have defended really well at home and not so much on the road, but the close games and games against bad teams, I mean, that's really, if these two teams play each other, the, the two main differences. Yeah, and we'll talk more about it if if it ends up those are the two teams playing. But um, I I just think it's going to be interesting to see the way Mike Brown defends the Warriors because he's so familiar with everything they do. And to your point, yeah, Sacramento's offense has been the most efficient we've seen. But I'm sure Warrior fans have seen them play. They saw them last night. But there's a lot of things they do. It's like, hey, that's what the Warriors do. I mean, even like with Sabonis running the offense through Sabonis, it's they didn't they weren't doing that as much last year. And that's very Draymond Green like. So the chess match, as we say, I know it's cliche. Anytime you have a a big game or a, a basketball playoff series, oh, it's going to be a chess match. It's really going to be interesting to see the way these coaches and coaching staffs. Uh, counter each other because they're so familiar with each other and and the way they're trying to do things. Uh, Dave in San Jose next on Warriors this week. What's going on, Dave? Hey, guys. Uh, good morning. Uh, hey, I'll be uh, to the, the point uh, today. I think uh, I want the Warriors to get the five seed and play Phoenix. Uh, you're going to have to and then I know if you won that, you'd play uh, Denver the, the next series. Uh, you're going to have to beat those teams anyway, so you know why not play them now? And uh, if you do beat them, then with each ensuing series, the field gets easier. And uh, what you've been implying all year, that you can flip the switch and turn it on in the postseason, well, let's see if that's proven, proven correct or not. And uh, if not, let's... <laughs> And the misery that this season has been for five and a half months. Let all the veterans get an extra six to eight weeks in their off season. Come back strong next next year. So yeah, I'm actually in the minority. Or I want to play Phoenix in the first round, and uh, let's see what we got. Interested in uh, getting your guys' thoughts. Thanks. I'd rather well, be at full it, strength a- when I play them, JD. I'd rather have Wiggins back full strength by the time I play uh, the Suns. So if I had to play the Kings, I wouldn't have to play the Suns if I have to play them at all until the conference finals. And then I'd be ready to go. I'd have a fuller roster. Yeah. And, and that's a, that's a unique way of looking at it, but, but there is something to be said with the Warriors being an older team as well, that maybe they're fresher earlier and, and that the toll of the first couple of series impact the later series. If the Warriors are able to win and so I, I don't think in the world of trying to analyze everything, it's it's that crazy. Oh, no, it's not uh, however, crazy. However, yeah. it, it really isn't. And, and you know, it's basically, hey, you're, you're more fresh against maybe the best team that you'd face. And I do think Phoenix is the best team the Warriors would face in, in a playoff. Uh, and so – you know, we'll see. I mean, the Lakers may have action. They're they're a, a tough team. They could upset somebody. Denver is is really good, but the notion that as the Warriors get tireder, maybe the opponents are lessened a little bit. 
in each round until you get to the finals. I think the the Eastern Conference teams are better than everybody in in the West uh, if you end up getting to the finals. But at that point, you're in the finals, and yeah. you're going to get you know two days off before every game, except for game three and four. Uh, you know, in between game three and game four, if you if you're able to reach that point. Uh, to me, you need a little bit of wiggle room, though, in the first round. I always like to have a little bit of wiggle room, and not that playing the Kings is a picnic. It's not at all, but I do think you've got more wiggle room playing the Kings in the first round than you do if you're playing uh, the, the Suns uh, in, in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, Sri is next in Fremont. What's going on, Sri? Hi, Jerry and buddy. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, uh I just want to talk about Jordan Poole. Hello? Yes, you're on. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Let's yeah, do it, Sri. Yeah, okay. Hey, uh, uh, I, I agree with the, uh, you know, the, I think a couple of previous call, callers who talk, you know, called out like Jordan Poole play, how it can actually negatively impact uh, the team, especially in the playoffs. Uh, I, I'm looking at, I look at his advanced stats. He has a negative net rating for this season. So it means, as you guys know that, at the time he's on the floor, actually it's been uh, it's 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 not winning basketball. And there's another stat called uh, wins above replacement that has in the 538 guys have this stat, and he has a negative net rating there too. And he's the only guy with negative net rating when he's in that stat wins above replacement. That means if he replaces, he's he's below average guy in NBA. That's what the stat says. And the reason he has negative rating is because he takes so many threes. He takes eight threes per game. He's only shooting 33%. Uh, we all we go gaga over. He, he got his, you know, he shot 200 threes, but no one talks about he missed 432 threes. And he's on a team with the greatest shooter, shooters ever. Why would he take eight threes per game, those long uh, threes, and so much time on the shot clock? Those are, I think, why do you call it? Like, those are like a turnover shot, like easy transition buckets, right? And then also he leads the league in turnovers. Not the, not leads, but he's in top five. This is not slander. This is just constructive in a feedback or criticism. Like we all, the uh, the Duff fans wants the best for JP. Right? Wants the best for the for the team. So this is not slander. And uh, as Fester says, this is these are not stupid questions. Like JP was not in the closing lineup three of the last five games, even though he was playing very well. Right? So. These are the real questions to ask, and JP uh, has to change. He needs to play like last year, where his uh, his minutes were positive. Otherwise, I think he'll be a drag on this team and come, come playoff time. Thanks, Sri. Uh, I no lies detected, and, and all backed up by uh, by data. Uh, and so, I, I do want to comment on it coming back, Whitey. Mm-hmm. What, what? Just some overarching thoughts on that. We'll pause. We'll come back on it. Yeah, I just real quick. I just I I, I feel like he's watching me here because I had those numbers up at, at some point today. I was wondering <laughs> seriously the numbers that he. I had those exact numbers up here. So yeah, I'm looking forward to change your YouTube yeah. camera light. <laughs> yeah, what's going on here? Uh, we'll dive back into that, JD, and I look forward to yeah, it. Yes, three good good stuff yeah. there, and I, I jotted down a bunch of it. I want to kind of get into it point by point. Eight 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 nine five seven ninety five seventy. We'll get to Tracy as well. It is this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Uh, Warriors this week on 95.7 The Game. He had a tough night. I thought the game got away from him a little bit. He let the uh, officiating bother him a little bit, and he's got to be able to play through that. He knows that. We talk to him about it all the time, and and, uh, I thought he did a a good job in the second half of getting to the line at some key times when we needed some points and staying poised, staying under control. It was just a tough shooting night, but I thought he was much better in the second half than he was in the first. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. All right, halfway through here on a Saturday, it's John Dickinson, Whitey Gleason, Steve Kerr there on Jordan Poole's night, and it was a a rough one overall for Jordan Poole. 0 for 10, 0 of 6 from 3. He wound up being a minus 9, scored 8 points, did get to the free throw line the 8 times for, or the 9 times for those 8 points. He hit 8 out of 9, and and Steve Kerr trying to put a positive spin on what was a bad night, Whitey. Uh, We had Sri, our caller from the end of the last segment, bring up a lot of different things on on Jordan Poole, including some numbers that I know you had jotted down on your notes to get into. Uh, I've got some overarching thoughts on this, but I'll just kind of let you start on everything Sri had to say about, about Poole. The Warriors need Jordan Poole. They need him to do what he can do, which is he can supply them with a great deal of offense when he's playing well, and he's vitally important to them. That said, too often this time he's been inefficient, and Sri mentioned the three-point numbers. Uh, Jordan Poole takes the third most three-point shots on the team, so only Steph and Clay take more. Uh, three-pointers in him. But in terms of percentage, these Warriors this year shot for a better percentage from the three-point line than Jordan Poole while they're with with the Warriors. So James Wiseman, uh, GP2, Steph, Clay, DiVincenzo, Wiggins, Ty Jerome, Jamichael Green, Patrick Baldwin Jr., Anthony Lamb, Jonathan Kuminga, Moses Moody, and Ryan Rollins, all a higher percentage from the three-point line than Jordan Poole. So, you know, you could look at that and go, hey, maybe don't shoot so many threes. But uh, he's just really inconsistent. So that's him. Uh, the concern for me is that I think Mike Brown knows how to defend Jordan Poole 
as well as any coach knows how to defend him. Was last night just a, a, a blip? I know we didn't see the Kings' uh, best defensive players all night long, but that, that could be a key to this series if the, if the Kings have a key to really uh, making sure that bad Jordan Poole is the one you see most of the time. That'd be a problem for them in this series. I also think combinations are a part of it with Jordan Poole. And, you know, his night didn't start out terribly. He was on the floor with a couple of the starters, as he typically is in the beginning, where his night really went awry was toward the end of the first quarter, but really in the second quarter when he was out there with other bench players and he was out there with with Looney as well, who's not a scoring threat. He was out there with Kuminga, where I think you're probably asking Kuminga to do a little bit too much as the the number two, I think, in terms of offensive mentality because he was out there with DiVincenzo as well. So DiVincenzo is always going to make the right basketball play. You've got Poole who wants to try to be the guy. Kaminga, I think, in his own way, especially when he's out there with with that group, thinks that he has to do more and I think tried to do more uh, at, at times. And then you had Moses Moody out there who was awful in, in that stretch, really, really both ways. I, I think, you know, as bad or worse as Poole was for the game, Moody was in that, that first stint in the first half to the point where Steve Kerr didn't even go back to him in the second half until the game was decided. So I, I think part of it is shot selection for sure and taking fewer threes. He's got to finish strong at the rim when he attacks the rim. Getting to the free throw line is something that could be beneficial. But I think it, it does come back to Whitey, the combinations – Steve Kerr, and this is the bigger point of how do you get the most out of DiVincenzo and, and, and Peyton and Poole and all of that. It's, it's who is he on the floor with, I think, that's the most, most important thing that Steve Kerr's going to have to figure out. They're, for whatever reason, Jordan Poole, and it's not a crazy thing to think, but he is much worse when he's on the floor with worse players. Mm-hmm. Much worse. Like it's just that that is the one thing above all the other analytical numbers about the the shots and the stats and all that. To me, it's just it's obvious to the eye when he's on the floor with lesser players, his game goes in the tank. And I think a big part of that, not all of it, but a big part is that if he's on the floor with better players, they're getting the brunt of the defensive focus. And I think Sacramento, that's what I'm interested to see. If they know that, hey, when he's out there, we guard him like this. Forget about who else is on the floor. And then he's nothing. He We can take him out of the game. So I'll be interested to see uh, if that's something uh, going forward that they employ. Real quick, you mentioned DiVincenzo. And some people, this is, you know, fans talk about this warrior. The system, you know, it's so complicated. And the young players can't play. It's so complicated. You get a guy like DiVincenzo or Lamb or Jerome. They're basketball players. They come and it's like, yeah, I got this. Boom. It's not that complicated. That's my point. I think people make too much of this, oh, this overcomplicated offensive system that the Warriors run. Look at DiVincenzo. He looks like he's been playing it his whole life because in a way he has because it's actually very basic stuff. 888-957-9570. Back to the phones we go. Tracy and Vallejo next here on 95.7 The Game. What's going on, Tracy? Hey, how you guys doing today, man? Good, Trace. Good, man. How you been? I'm doing great. You know, it's a Saturday, so, you know, I'm just, you know, just chilling today, listening to you guys. You know, I know everybody's talking about everybody wants to see the Warriors get a kickstart and get turn on the switch. I know this sounds kind of silly, what I'm getting ready to say, but I'm going to still say it anyway. I know I said this wouldn't make me mad. The Warriors lost that last game and dropped into the playing game, and they won because I think they win anyway if they played in the playing game. 
But I think the thing that would wake the Warriors up is they had to play Memphis in that first round. You guys could not tell me with the way Memphis has been talking, with Dylan Brooks has been acting this year, that would jumpstart the Warriors, knowing they could take out Memphis in the first game, first round of the playoffs. I guarantee we see the Warriors back hot and smoking if they had to play Memphis in that first round instead of Sacramento. That's just me personally, what I think. That would get the Warriors juice slowing. Well, the only way, Tracy, you're going to play Memphis in the first round is if you lose tomorrow and you're also a play-in tournament team at that point. Uh, so the only way you do that is if you have to play an extra game, which I know the Warriors don't want. I, I don't dispute the fact that that the Warriors wouldn't be lit up against Memphis, but that, that series would take a pound of flesh, Whitey. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. series would, even if the Warriors win it in six, that series would take a pound of flesh. Yeah, and I'm hoping, to to Tracy's point, that it's not going to take uh, an opponent like the Grizzlies to get the Warriors locked into what they're doing. Hopefully, whether it's Sacramento or anybody, once you get to the postseason, and I think we saw that last year with Denver, that's going to be enough to get them, uh, you know, as, as Steve Kerr once said to Jordan Poole, lock the F in! I think... Uh, no doubt. Yeah, and, yeah. and look, I think the Kings are going to get... I, I think the Kings get the Warriors' attention. Like, that's ah. actually not something I'm worried about. It, it's, to me, more about... Are they going to play better? Because their their whole thing all year has been when it actually matters, we're going to be able to lock in. Mm-hmm. Well, it like the Kings are not some patsy. I mean, this is not like like this is the, the Kings are a good team, and you know, is their record a little inflated this year? Maybe, but they've got a lot of talented pieces. They've got Mike Brown, who knows the Warriors system very well. They're you know they're not going to have to travel either just like right. the Warriors aren't going to have to travel if this thing happens and so you know I think last night at times shows you that the Kings are not going to be some pushover against the Warriors I said this to Steiny and Guru and I know we got a lot of people that want to talk we'll get back to the phones here in just a second but I was on with Steiny and Guru a little bit yesterday and and you know two months ago I would have said Warriors beat the Kings in five I would have. I, you know, Kings record inflated. Warriors get, you know, this is before Wiggins had gone out and now has to come back. I would have said, you know what, Warriors in five. I, now it feels like Warriors in seven to me. And, uh, you know, if, if those two teams play. And, and part of it is the Kings played much better after the All-Star break, had some really big wins against some other good teams after the All-Star break. They lost to some teams in the East too. But but they, they I think, backed up their record in – the post All Star break portion more than they did when it was a little fluky in the in the first half. So I give them credit for that. I think they're a more legitimate team than maybe I did a month and a half to two weeks ago or to two months ago. The other part of it though is this, Whitey. It the Warriors, the way the Warriors played, you know, on the road and and once they got Steph back initially in early March, like to me, and even in a game like last night, I just like the. And now with Wiggins being out and having to come back, it just it just gives me a little more concern that it's not going to be as easy as people think, if that makes sense. Not going to be quite as easy as people think to to just flip the switch, as a lot of people say. Yeah, I think it's possible the Warriors flip the switch. They give their full attention to the Kings, again, assuming it's them, but it's still going to be a challenge because the Kings in some ways match up well. We know that Steve Kerr's talked on the station about how, you know, sometimes – 
we give up a lot of threes because we're so weak at the point of attack. Well, Darren Fox, if you're weak at the point of attack, mm. he will test that. So the Warriors are going to have a real challenge on their hands. I'm with you. There's every reason to think that they can win that series, but it's not going to be, oh, you know, let's go into Golden 1, come back here, we'll wrap this thing up in four. This is very unlikely against this Kings team. No, it's a, it's a very good team, and, and you know, everything the Warriors have in experience – the the Kings have in in youth, I I think you know which you know, they could make the Warriors look old. I think in stretches of a series at a level that we really haven't seen other teams do it. Khaled and Clayton eight at eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. What's going on, Khaled? What's going on, guys? Uh, happy early Easter and happy Passover to everybody who's uh, celebrating that as well. Thank you. Um, I you know let me say this. I said this, and I've said this, and I'll continue to say this. The worst and the toughest opponent the Warriors have is the Warriors. And it, it creeped up again last night with the turnovers. And that is their bugaboo. That is what makes them look horrible on defense because they're on their heels, especially when they're doing the live ball turnovers. I don't care who you put up in front of them. If they take care of the ball... They're going to be a tough out, and not only that, they're going to be favored if they can take care of it. And I think shoring up the rotations, you're not going to see you're not going to see him throwing in Lamb very much. You're not going to see him throwing in Moody very much. You're going to see a much tighter rotation with the older guys because you're not going to have back to back. There's going to be time off in between, and what you're going to see, hopefully, is a more mentally focused. Warriors team that's a lot more comfortable. Maybe Wiggins comes in off the bench. Maybe he doesn't. But when you look at the players that are going to be the pieces, the chess pieces that Curry's going to have, we have a lot of pieces that hurt the Kings defensively because we've got a lot of slashers. When you look at Wiggins, when you look at DiVincenzo, when you look at GP2, when you look at it, and even though Poole had a bad game yesterday, he did a fantastic job of getting himself to the line when he stopped looking at the three-pointer and started focusing on getting contact inside. And that's one thing that the Kings do poorly is when guys are coming in, they will swipe and they will foul and they will put teams on the line, especially Sabonis. Get into his chest and take the blocking away from him and try to get onto the line and try to get an and one. So I think we're going to see a big chess match once we get into this. And I think we have... As much as they have pieces to make us look old, we have pieces in there that can hurt them because they are defensively faulty, and that's what we have to take advantage of. No more 50% shots You know, when you look at the stat line from the three-point line. You've got to get into their chest and work inside out as opposed to outside in. I, I think that's well put, Khaled. I, I think spot on. You've you got to attack them inside for sure, and – you can you can annihilate them on the inside, and you know some teams really haven't run Sabonis off the floor this year. I know the Warriors have been able to do that to Bigs, and, and not that he he'll keep playing, uh, but but the Warriors have been able to make guys like Sabonis look horrible in the playoffs in the past. I feel like in the regular season, teams haven't really been able to get away with that against Sacramento as much as you know you would imagine they would 
but it's definitely an area where the Warriors can can exploit. And we had somebody on the YouTube stream point this out, Whitey. A lot of the Kings' better defenders were playing last night, and some of their some of their weaker ones, yeah. Herder, uh, Sabonis, Monk, were not. Monk, Monk wasn't playing. Is yeah. a is a really bad defender. And and hey, this this may come off as a little bit of a hot take. De'Aaron Fox for about three and a half quarters is not a good defender. Uh, he kind of is offense only, and then in the fourth quarter in close games, he locks in and tries to defend late in the game. Uh, so there are ways that, that they can definitely attack Sacramento if that's the matchup. The thing that stood out to me about what Khaled said was uh, the turnovers, and we know that the Warriors, we know now they're going to turn the ball over. Uh, it's a combination of players who are great passers trying to do too much in an offense that gives them a lot of freedom. I get that. I just don't expect it to get worse. So a game like last night, I'm sitting there and it's like I, I accept it. All right, they're gonna they're gonna turn the ball over. They're gonna make unforced turnovers. But some of the plays last night, JD, there are 24 of them. It's like what in the world is going on? You know, the hook passes from one side of the court to out of bounds. A Peyton came in, made a terrible pass. Draymond made some terrible passes. So I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's being locked in. It's just going to happen. But obviously, if you cut down on those during the postseason, it's going to go a long ways towards helping you win these games and these series. I have no explanation for it. Steve Kerr knows. They all know it's a problem. They talk about it. They work on it. And it still happens. It just it can't get any worse. You can't afford to continue to do it at an even higher rate. Let's go to Coach in Fremont next here on Warriors This Week. What's up, Coach? Oh, we lost we lost Coach. Dory? Dory in San Francisco. What's up, Dory? I, I, liked, um, I liked your chemistry with Dibs. Um, you and J.D. are my favorites, but I, I liked uh, how you and, and Dibs were interacting well, thank the you. other day. Um, I, I have a little detour to go on. One, going back to a conversation you had in the first hour about, about Dallas and their game last night. But let me start off with a question about um, the Lakers. I mean, I always thought Rob Polinka was like the worst GM in the NBA, and then he, <laughs> he hit gold, obviously, um, at the All-Star break. But I'm curious, someone like Jared Vanderbilt, who I don't know why really Minnesota let him go, and then why in the world would Utah let him go, along with Malik Beasley, who's a damn good three-point shooter, for essentially, well, a protected first-round pick, okay? That's what they got. What is it about Jared Vanderbilt that he's, you know, on the move so much because he's a really excellent role player? And Beasley, he's a a great three-point shooter, and, you know, shooting is is really important. So that's one question. But let me also address Dallas, um, because, J.D., you said it was gutless, but I don't think you actually articulated the other side of the argument, which was Mark Cuban knew that going into that game, Dallas and the Bulls, who played each other, were tied for the 10th worst record in the NBA. And if the Mavericks have a top 10 pick in the draft, they keep it. But if they lose that game, then, um, I mean, if they win that game, then they would uh, have, have the pick go to the Knicks as part of the um, uh, Porzingis trade in 2019. So he basically lost the game so that they would not have to uh, give a pick they, to they the keep Knicks. keep the pick. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense, Dory. And, and look, to me, gutless is even being in that position where you're 
you're 12 versus 11, 11 versus 10, trying to keep the pick. Gutless is how they played, or or in some cases didn't play, uh, Kyrie, uh, in, in some of the instances you know, since they made the trade. Gutless was being in that position. I get the tactical reason why they did it, but I'm not giving you credit for tactically making the best of a situation that you were only in because you were gutless. Plus, so it's a that, bad look when, you're, when your coach has to explain it awkwardly. He's like, hey, what's going on? I mean, that's gutless, I think, to put him in that position. Some of it, J.D., as we said, some of it may have been uh, Cuban trying to, you know, give the, his finger to the, to the league because he lost the protest or whatever. Dory's right, but at the same time, yeah, it was a terrible, terrible look uh, for the Dallas Mavericks. Terrible look, and, and, and yeah, I get why they want to keep their pick. They want to keep their pick because they might not keep Kyrie. You know, they might not be able to keep Kyrie. I mean, that pick could be you know, something they could accumulate. As far as the, the whole, you know, why did Vanderbilt and, and Beasley move around so much? Well, part of it is, I mean, you go back to when they were in Minnesota. They were traded for Rudy Gobert. And you could say, hey, that was a bad move by the Timberwolves. And I think there's a lot of, lot of data, evidence to, to back up. All right, maybe that was a, a bad move by the, by the Timberwolves. But... You know those those players were traded because the Minnesota thought they were getting better uh, in in sending them to Utah in, in addition to all the other first round picks that went in that deal, Whitey. But but it was to it was to to get Gobert, and then Utah is just in accumulation mode. Yeah, Utah is trying to accumulate as many first round picks as they possibly can. They're kind of Oklahoma City two They don't need they role. Like, those guys are great, role, very good role yeah. players, but they don't like we don't need that. We're trying to build the foundation for a right. great team of the future is what we're trying and, to and do. And so they were using those role players to try and accumulate picks and that was something where, hey, the Lakers are willing to give up some picks to to be able to to move on. I mean, it's also why Conley ended up on the move going to Minnesota in, in a separate deal than, than the Gobert deal, and the Lakers ended up you know, getting off of, of some of those other guys. The, the uh, Timberwolves also wanting to trim some salary there. So it's, it's not that, the, if anything, it shows the value in what it would have cost. And I know Dory didn't bring up the Warriors specifically in, in like, hey, how come the Warriors can't get some of those guys? to come in and be role players. But I think it goes to the cost of those role players, right? Like Rudy Gobert was part of the cost to get two good role players when you were Utah. First-round picks were part of the cost to get role players like Vanderbilt and Beasley. The Lakers were willing to to pay the price and, and also, uh, you know, had the, the tradable, you know, found a team that would take Westbrook and and cut him as well, which I think is, is part of that. But the Lakers paid a premium to do that in terms of future draft capital. And I think if Utah, real quickly, if they'd kept those guys, there's a very good chance they'd be in the play, and there's a very good chance they'd have a better record than Minnesota right now. But they're not interested and, and that was something... in sneaking into the play, and they're trying to rebuild the next great team in Utah. Yeah, and it's funny. For all the conversation, and Dallas is the one outlier, but but for all the conversation about who's better, who's worse, who could make you – know, it's funny. I, as I look at the five teams on the outside looking in, and the ten teams that that are in the play-in tournament, I mean, o- Oklahoma City is is a surprise, right? Oklahoma City's a surprise, I would say, in terms of you know they're in, Dallas is not, but the and and really it's Sacramento's the other surprise. Yeah. Sa- Sacramento basically took Dallas's spot in mm-hmm. the top eight, mm-hmm. if you if you look at it, and and then the Thunder took Sacramento. Like I would have thought Sacramento would have been in the in the seven to ten range. 
that's Oklahoma City. But again, it's all in lieu of Dallas. Everything else is pretty much turned out on brand with Houston and San Antonio were who we thought they were. Uh, the Blazers and Jazz ended up being who we thought they were, although maybe better record versions, at least in Utah's case, than what we thought they were. And Dallas wound up being – there's always that one team, I always say this every year, there's always that one team that thinks they're going to be good that Mm -hmm. winds up being a major disappointment. And this year it was the Dallas Mavericks in the the Western Conference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I kind of wanted to see them lose the play-in, but this is satisfying too. I just don't – I don't care for that. That bunch. All right, 888-957-9570. We'll come back. If you're on hold, stay on the line. We're getting to you right out of the chute. Two hours in the books. It's JD and Whitey. It's Warriors this week on 95.7 The Game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 